0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mapper Forward's first on-demand workshop, How to Become a Coffee Consultant, available now online for you to learn at your own pace with a certificate available upon completion. Click the link in the show notes to access today for just 50 euros. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Map Afford Friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and this is our final episode of our five part series with Simon. Simon, we are talking about acquiring coffee knowledge, and we are ending this series on critical thinking. I think a big reason that this podcast was started, I know a big reason that this podcast was started, was because I didn't see enough. Uh, demonstrations out there of critical thinking. I saw a lot of people out there that were creating trends and hedging their bets on the fact that if I start a trend and I find the right way to market that trend, it's going to catch fire and it's going to just burn through the whole industry and it's going to go really great. And this really infuriated me throughout my career, and I wanted to, and, and it continues to happen, and it continues to infuriate me, and I. I really wanted to see more critical thinking in the industry. So for me, a big problem is that when people are married to their ideas or the opposite of that, where people completely hand over their decision-making to some cult leader within the industry um, to tell them how they should think. I think both of those things are very dangerous and the kind of opposite of critical thinking. What are your thoughts about critical thinking in the industry?
1: I, I think you mentioned something straight away that I've I've always been a firm believer of, which is I think it's important for people to have strong opinions about mm-hmm. specific things. But I think it's important to remain open-minded and to mm-hmm. say, yep, I was wrong about that. And this is actually not as accurate um, and correct as I thought it was. But I think it's also important to have an opinion on specific yep. things. Because otherwise you're leaving you know you're leaving your opinion up to other people Mm. um you mentioned you so you mentioned that about coffee i think it's something that we just observe in society Mm -hmm. in general in politics uh where there's a lot of there's a lack of a general lack of critical thinking about a lot of things Um, a lot of people don't have political opinions which i think is incredibly dangerous Um, not to have an opinion you can change your opinion uh then that's totally fine to um you know to Go back on certain ideas that you had etc but i think it's important to have an opinion i think it's the same thing in coffee it might not be as bad if you don't have an opinion on everything (laughs) but i think it's important to um to do your own research and to make up your own minds because otherwise you're sort of like letting letting that knowledge uh be in the hands of of other people that well first of all might not necessarily be right about uh, what they're saying um you know, even if they're experts, Mm -hmm. they um, might not have the same preferences as you do or or they might have different intentions and some commercial intentions behind them.
0: Why do you think it's dangerous when people are married to their ideas in the coffee industry?
1: Uh, Again, I think it applies to just uh, Mm -hmm. other things in coffee, but the fact that you're not growing, the fact that um, if you're stuck with a specific... I mean, I think it's important to be... If you're if you're firmly believing that something is right and you just feel it with your guts, then it's important to stick to what you believe in. But I think not being not necessarily seeing the other side of the coin is, and, and not being open minded enough is also where you start to stagnate and you stop learning and you stop growing. Because when you get stuck into get, get stuck into your ways, this is when you're also you're also not growing anymore. You're not mm-hmm. looking at different ways of doing things, you know, looking at constant improvements. Um, I think this is this is something quite dangerous because you're going to stagnate. And in, in business that might mean you, know, you look at cafes that didn't, didn't innovate, didn't change their menu and are still making coffee the same way as we did 10 years ago. These cafes are slowly dying. They're not doing the same volume as they were doing before. Um, and it's again true in, in other types of businesses and industries, innovation, staying on top of of the, the industry, uh, looking at different ways of doing things, like constantly looking at improving different aspects uh, of the business, whether it's sales, logistics, marketing, innovation of products and services. Uh, I think it's it's important in general to just stay relevant and um, to have, you know, the knowledge is the most accurate, as, as accurate as possible. But it's, it's it's challenging, it's confronting. We spoke about that in the previous one on accessibility. It's unsettling for people to sort of like or say, oh, I was so wrong about this specific idea.
0: You know, people often look at, at a trend or an idea as either being binary, like it's either right or it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's usually never one of those two things. It's usually all grey. And the complexity That's of that is... never what we want
1: to listen. That's never the answer we want to hear. We never <laughs> want to hear, oh, it's more complicated than that. <laughs> it's, it's because we're looking at... When we make decision-making process in in everything in our daily lives, like it needs to be as simple as possible. There's just too much information, so if you can just pick like A or B or right or left, it's it's that's much easier so having using binary systems for a lot of things for a lot of topics for decision making and, and getting information and getting knowledge is the easiest way to get knowledge and get information but it's often not the not the right way because everything is nuanced especially when you're dealing with a product that's incredibly complex so subjective like <laughs> coffee it's uh, it's a i mean first of all there's that objective and subjective yep. element into itself because it's um it's a sensory like Mm -hmm. food uh like drink culinary products but there's it's just like a chemically diverse and complex product as well and when we talk about brood coffee when we're talking about water and we're talking about coffee itself it's a a organic product and water like they're both incredibly complex they go, go both go through multiple phases that are incredibly complex um so it's it's of course it's never going to be binary it's never going to be white or black it's always going to be very very gray
0: and then Um, you add if you don't mind me saying then you add another complexity to it which is the majority of people who drink coffee are adding sugar and milk to it and so the way that they experience it is very different to the way that we as professionals experience it so we're You know, we're making these assumptions, we're not assumptions, we're making these judgments on whether something is this is the right way or that's the right way without taking into perspective the person who's consuming
1: it. That's the, I mean, I I studied, uh, we studied behavioral science and marketing uh, in my university degrees and one of the things that I mean we looked at is, for example, if, you want, if you're a big firm and you want to launch a new product, let's say you're Coca-Cola and you want to launch a new flavor, and you're mm-hmm. thinking, are we going to do blueberry flavored Coca-Cola or are we going to do raspberry? We're talking about millions of dollars of investment into distribution, marketing, and product R&D. Mm-hmm. That, that's going to be backed by behavioral studies like we're going to give these two products and prototypes to people and observe how they react and we're going to put them on shelves and see how people look at the packaging and react to that and we're going to make a big decision based on that and everything is going to be based on evidence i i haven't seen any roasters inviting well first of all doing a segmentation of the market in a specific uh, city or area then taking a representative panel and sample of uh, of that crowd and then looking at what profile of coffee, this specific segment, like different segments enjoy and what they're looking for and what attributes in coffee they're looking for. There's this sort of like methodology. I've never come across that in specialty coffee. It's a lot of work, but that's the only way to sort of decide what's right and what's wrong. And, and I think that ties nicely into critical thinking in the sense that we as coffee professionals end up making decisions on, on purchasing, on roasting and on, and on recipes, Based on what we enjoy, or what we think the general consumer enjoys, that's hopefully the best, better case scenario of the two. That um, is often like way off what people enjoy in general, and we, we do see that in in Europe a lot, where most European countries have this long tradition of serving, well, robusta and dark roasted coffee, where coffee has been widely accessible in Europe in coffee houses for centuries now, but the tradition was to drink defective coffee mostly robusta uh, and incredibly dark roasted so coffees are lower acid they have a, this intense bitterness uh, they're very full-bodied and then when the specialty coffee movement arrived in Europe all of a sudden you start seeing roasters like roasting incredibly lights and serving coffees that taste more like a tea than a coffee and it mm-hmm. is a huge shock of culture between between uh, people like my parents who are um, uh, you know getting towards their 60s and are used to drinking bitter coffee, and all of a sudden, coffee tastes floral, and it's light bodied, and it's got this silky tea-like texture, and it's got acidity. Where did that acidity come from? I've never experienced acidity in coffee. Like it shouldn't be fruity. It should taste like chocolate and charcoal and rubber. So yeah. it's just like <laughs> such a gap. And I think the the lack of critical thinking in the product development um, and into the decisions that we make is responsible for that. Yeah.
0: I feel like we need more of an open-mindedness in the industry if we're going to move the industry forward into, you know, greater profitability, adaptation to what's happening with global economics and geopolitics, also what's happening with technology. And for me, when it comes to critical thinking, the technology part uh, and innovation plays a really important role in how we're going to move forward with the introduction of things like AI and the introduction of well an important part here we have a labor shortage a global labor shortage and technology and innovation is yeah. solving those problems and yet there is this pushback on people saying but if we're using technology well we're not really making coffee anymore well we've got to solve a problem the problem is a very real problem yeah
1: yeah Go the ahead. labor shortage yeah no i i I agree with um, I agree with everything you said um, on on that specific topic. Um, I'm I'm so surprised that people, a lot of people are. Um, I guess I, I, was, I was surprised because in my inner circle, everyone seems to be very enthusiastic about AI and about mm. new technologies available. But the broader uh, general public opinion and audience seems to be very reluctant about all these things. And it does it it does I think fix a lot of the issues. And we're not just talking about stuff, we're talking about like it has the ability to yeah, change the whole world and uh yeah. and you know, potentially provide for a universal wage and revenue for everyone like at some point if we can get machines like long long term speaking get yeah. machines to uh, make a lot of decisions for us and if everyone can have a fairer wage and everybody can mm-hmm. uh, live a bit more decently then i think it's an amazing thing um but again i think it's it's about uh seeing like looking at all the different aspects of it and looking at the pros and cons of literally everything. Again, it's not, it's not as binary. Like AI has, and just new technologies have, they have their pros and cons. Like mm-hmm. there are some dangerous things that can come with them. Um, and it's about just nuancing everything. It's about like understanding yeah. the intricacies of it um, and learning what's, what's a good thing about it. What can we? How can we put that to use for the greater good? And then what is dangerous about that? What do we need to be aware of? And you see the same thing in, in coffee, same thing with and that ties nicely into the trends. Like you need to be critical about those trends, you need to be critical about you know what people are saying about them, what's good what's bad. Um you need to be critical about uh trendsetters and people who are experts in um or who are defining themselves as as experts again because truth is relative to time and space. So I think it's it's important to be constantly critical about everything being mm-hmm. playing the devil's advocates uh, again it you don't want to fall into this this cynism circle and i think uh, as a french man <laughs> french are very good at being cynical and, and and it's something that we're taught at school actually we're um, we're taught how to um how to challenge everything and mm. i remember in high school and even in, in middle school in high school people just challenging what the teacher was saying is saying but why is this why is that and and so, sort of like, challenging their authority, which I think from a different perspective can be, it can be a lack of disrespect, uh, it, it can be disrespectful, it can be a lack of respect. But we've always sort of, like, I guess it's cultural, once again, always had this idea that, um, you know, the, the teacher has this, this obvious like, uh, expert figure, but not everyone, people can be wrong. Like Authority. Even can make, you know, yeah, but exactly. even people in
0: authority can be wrong.
1: Absolutely, and I think you need just we need to dissociate ourselves from from this idea that if someone says something, it is necessarily true. If I read it, uh, it is necessarily true. If it has some scientific terminology or if it's backed by a scientist, it is necessarily true. Like that's not the case. Again, we've known about global warming for uh, sixty almost sixty years now, and scientists were paid by big petroleum and energy companies to, um, to basically say the opposite of that and say there's no link between global warming and, um, and fossil fuel. So we, like that needs to be challenged. Everything needs to be challenged. Yeah. Uh, what makes it difficult to do and the reason why we don't necessarily do it, and not just in coffee, but in life in general, is it's so time-consuming. <laughs> it's time-consuming to get information. It's time-consuming to simulate that information. And then if we're on top of that, we have to verify it and challenge it then it becomes a very long, complex process. So mm. I, I know it's daunting and uh, and it's much easier to to you know take things for granted and just read something and be like, oh yeah, that's that sounds that sounds true. But unfortunately it's gonna you end up paying the price for it in the long run. Because it's probably the same thing for you. Like most of what I learned about coffee when I did my first coffee course nine years ago, I think. Uh, most of that is proven to be untrue today. Correct. Like ninety ninety-nine percent of the things so I much learned am- back then on- <laughs> On how to make coffee why yeah. coffee tastes this way like i remember everything was about terroir everything was about islands it. because this coffee is good in brazil and it's because of the altitude and it's like it's, and now you realize that ah, oh, actually coffee from jamaica is so good not necessarily because they have an amazing uh amazing terroir because they have typically as a variety that's a great tasting variety and mm-hmm. the other oh, island coffee is not bitter uh because of the terroir and the altitude and the clouds and whatever animal live uh, live on the farm, now it's because they use this. They have their access to this uh, genetic mutation and this variety that doesn't have and has low levels of caffeine. So a lot of things that you learn in 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 coffee or in general end up being untrue in the future, and it's and I feel terrible about that. But a lot of the things that I that I teach people when I do courses when I do workshops might end up being wrong in the future and that's that's mm. totally okay with, uh, with that i think we need to be we need to be okay with this idea and we need to be uh, uh, vulnerable enough to to admit I, that yep, that was wrong i'm wrong, wrong.
0: I was, or, or it's changed yeah. yeah it's what a wonderful yeah. place to end the conversation on this idea of like hey folks it's okay to be wrong and it's okay to admit that you're wrong that's a part of critical thinking being able to say yeah. that i that's don't know thinking. or <laughs> i was <laughs> Yes, <laughs> it's, it's
1: just why. It's something that I've, I've been doing for years. And, uh, and if that's something that, I mean, I'm sure some other people will, will benefit from that. Um, I can't remember where, where I picked that from, but I, I, must have, I must have heard someone do that and I started doing the same thing. But each year around uh, New Year's time, so at the end of the year on the 31st, I pulled together a list of things that I believe – in life in general or in coffee like strong mm-hmm. beliefs that I have and then I revisit that list a year later I revisit the I love previous that. year's list and then I make a new list and then I go back to the last year's list and so I have a I have a category that's for coffee and I have a category that's for just things in life and mm-hmm. like ideology and politics etc mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot of stuff in in coffee that I go back to it a year or two years later and I'm like <laughs> oh my god God, like who wrote this? Like, I'm, I'm so ashamed to write some of these things. You and should publish
0: some of I, these, I, list, I, Simon.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely will. I definitely will. I'll give you an example. I remember in 2017, I wrote something like, I believe that variety doesn't matter it, that much in coffee and it's not that important because I had tasted a whole bunch of varieties that it might have been 2016. I can't remember, but I tasted a whole bunch of varieties and, and they all seemed to be in the same sort of like ballpark in terms mm-hmm. of flavors. That's until I was later introduced to some more exotic, noble varieties that have, have a lot more characteristics to them. That's, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, lighting like does matter. And, and reading that now just feels like I, I'm so ashamed. Of, well, let uh, me of defend the
0: 2016 <laughs> version of you. Like when I, you know, critical thinking has been something that I've been on a deep, deep, deep journey on uh, since I was doing my science degree. And I think the the perspective that you take on the piece of knowledge is really important. So if you're looking at something really closely and you're not exposing yourself to a more kind of helicopter view of something, you don't really get to see the fuller picture. So our truths can be correct based on the perspective that we're taking at the time. Yeah. It's if we allow ourselves access to greater uh, greater access to – being challenged to being vulnerable to being around smarter people all you know so so knowledge and truth is also um directly correlated to the amount of exposure we give ourselves about a particular subject
1: yeah to that perspective that you have and yeah to the environments you're into yeah Yeah. absolutely as soon as you like step back a little bit all of a yep. sudden your whole world that you believed in sort of collapses because you're being yep. challenged and you have this like new perspective and you're thinking you're saying things that you didn't think uh of in the first place but i think to um to wrap it up around like to, to wrap this whole thing up and that's not something that i did i didn't really insist too much on that but i think is important to me and I, that talks a lot about uh, my approach about the topic and the knowledge in general there are things that we know in coffee are true today and will be true tomorrow. And again, to me, that's the sensory aspect. Mm-hmm. And something that I've been encouraging for years now is to base a lot of the learning and decisions on sensory, but on objective sensory description. Mm-hmm. So if I increase the water temperature in my kettle uh, and I do a V6 I do a pour over, what happens in the final cup? So if I go from 92 to 95 degrees, I'll start getting a little bit more dryness. The sweetness might increase a little bit, but we'll see that the acidity becomes sharp when the coffee cools down. It might become unbalanced and uh, we're getting different flavors. So we're getting less fresh fruits, but we're getting more of the brown, maybe some stewed fruits, maybe some like rougher notes coming Mm -hmm. out as well. And this is something that will remain true in the future. Now, why this happens, I have no idea. I don't know why you know, coffee tastes more bitter than it is when you're using a hot water temperature. I don't know why coffee is more acidic when you're using a coarser grind sitting. I have no idea why sulfate brings bitterness when you introduce it to water. I don't know these things, but I do know what happens when you do that. I do know right. what happens when you introduce potassium to your water. I do know that it brings body, it brings sweetness, and it will bring those chocolate, umami, um, like purple fermentation notes. Mm-hmm. Why that happens, no idea. And but you know, know that know. it happens
0: don't, you have empirical evidence that, that, that happens. happens and
1: i'm not a scientist i don't have the background to verify this information so instead of spending a lot of time like trying to dig into pseudoscience and and trying to explain that in a very complicated way i sort of try to stay away from the conversation let other people who are experts in in into this this area who have the skill set baggage mm-hmm. and background to to verify those information and then maybe work alongside these people and sort of challenge that and then try to understand it because I'm interested in understanding that but I do acknowledge and recognize the fact that I can't answer the why and I know a lot of people are bothered uh, by that and they they are feeling uncomfortable and they think it's more it's more difficult to learn things when you don't understand why and I can totally see where from a a learning process point of view it's more challenging but I think this is where looking at things from uh, like looking at things from a coffee point of view in coffee from a scientific point of view is not always better if you want to learn how to make better coffee how to roast better coffee etc and basing things based on evidence which the evidence is in the final cup the evidence is in the TDS reading it's not the um the aromatics measured uh, in gas chromatography because again like there are things that you can measure with a tool and instrument but you know, what if it's above the human threshold to be detecting those specific um, aroma or specific thresholds of aroma? Like there are things that, you know, sometimes you see, you hear claims of this produces like this much more aromatic mm-hmm. compounds. First of all, are they good aromatic compounds? Are we able to detect them? Like the right. only reliable source of objective evidence is sensory okay. and it can be sensory by experts. It can be sensory by intermediate groups sensory by beginners, different levels of like sensory um, uh, sensory assessments but to me the important thing is to focus on the what and not necessarily on the why and being critical about these things uh, that will help you I think gain so much more access to knowledge I wish I had done that from day one I wish you I had sort I like both. yeah in time you skip the why things happen focus on the what and then I would be a much more knowledgeable and accomplished coffee professional um, again I, I know it's disturbing and I know it's it's unsettling for certain people um but it, it, something that i think made the, like triggered that in me was when i was watching this cooking show and it was they're putting a chef against a food scientist and i can't remember what co- it's on youtube i, I watch so much uh, cooking shows and <laughs> and stuff and and in all of these episodes the food scientists like knew exactly what what the chemical reaction was right. during the Maillard reaction of like baking cookies but they couldn't Bake cookies to save their the lives like it was it could no but the chefs with a lot of intuition the craft, knew that the yeah intuition. if i do this and if i do that this is what's going to result in my cookie i'm going to get more of that chewiness if i do this why don't know don't, don't care.
0: care don't explain <laughs> I'm it just gonna but do i it. know
1: that exactly i know that if i melt my butter versus like using solid butter it's going to be it's going to bring more chewiness and i know that the, the if i freeze the the cookies uh, the cookie dough before baking it um it's not going to spread as much and then the fats are going to be contained more why no idea and again yeah but who who would you rather get a meal from like a michelin star chef or a food scientist and i think this sort of like talks talks to the arts versus science side of coffee like it's to me there's like a spectrum where you have like arts on one side and then like the art vision and the science vision and i used to believe that Coffee was science and it wasn't an art. I used to firmly believe that. And that's, again, one of those uh, things that I believed in in the past and that I wrote at the end of maybe 2015 saying coffee is a science. Approaching coffee from an arts perspective makes no sense. And now I actually do believe I'm probably like the opposite of that. Where-
0: well, <laughs> folks, go and read the article because, <clears throat> excuse me, the article that's in the links because that's what you talk about quite a lot in this article. So, it's- and you demonstrate it. Like you, you start the article off by saying, I'm not a scientist, but X, Y, Z, you know, I'm. Yeah. And and this is where uh, the idea of believing uh, who you believe and why you believe them is an important part of critical thinking. And I think what you're saying uh, quite eloquently, Simon, is this idea that the evidence needs to come from you. Like if you believe mm-hmm. something, if you, if. If you look at something and you want to figure it out, go and test it. Go and try it. Become the creator of your own verifiable knowledge through that way.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, it's it's it, it couldn't could have said it better. Like you wrapped it up perfectly.
0: Thanks. You have. Uh, I don't think I've said this to you in our conversations, but you have contributed more to the Australian coffee industry than I think you realize, and I wanted to thank you for that. Uh, The, um, the approach that you take to the generosity of wanting to actually elevate the way that people absorb knowledge and have access to knowledge in the Australian coffee industry is very generous and very, um, very refreshing to see as somebody who's been in this industry for 20 years. So thank you for what you contribute to the industry. Um, We are lucky to have you. Um, And, and on that note, where can people find you on social media? Because you're a must-follow.
1: Um, Simon underscore Gothrin, so Simon underscore last name. Um, I do publish coffee-related content, um, all things around the supply chain, um, but mainly around brewing and sensory um, but yeah thanks for the kind words if you could say that to the government so they could fast track my permanent residency that'd be amazing
0: <laughs> if i could i would my friend i oh, promise yeah. you i would thanks. why don't you just send them this episode and yeah, <laughs> this series will. and we can see if we can make Link that happen to, uh, the, yeah to the application um, but <laughs> links links in the show notes folks um and if you get the uh, opportunity to catch a workshop that simon's doing uh make sure that you get to one so simon would you do us the honor of signing off this whole series please
1: Thanks a lot for listening or watching to this episode. Um, we'll catch you later. Peace, love, and peanut butter. Have, Have
0: an amazing rest of your day, good folks. Thanks, Simon. <laughs>